0: In a world entrenched in darkness, desperately seeking hope and security, a coalition of nations invoke a highly classified program, commissioned by their ancestors generations ago, for such a time when all else has failed. They called for but one man to light the flame, to carry the torch, which is really a guitar, ready to blast the battle cry. Behold, the time has come for... Rock and Roll! Ah, yes. Welcome to the show, my friends. Welcome to the weekend. We made it through a very long week, but never too long to celebrate rock and roll. This is the rock and roll celebration show. It's what we do. We celebrate the artists who have given us so much and we celebrate you and me, the fans, of course, uh, too. And this is a podcast that was built on rock and roll. No, it's not an inside joke, it's an inside reference that we will let everybody in on. So it'll be an outside reference, an inside reference now, but we will let everybody in on it. You know that big song, and many big songs uh, written by, and in many cases performed by, our guest, Martin Page, on the podcast. So great to have him on the uh, podcast here as we kick off a new series of interviews with hit makers. That's right, uh, people who have written big songs for others, have played on big songs, and in this case, Martin Page has had great success himself. Uh, he's uh, a tremendous musician. He's a, a multi-instrumentalist, really. He plays bass, he plays other instruments on his solo stuff. He plays all of the instruments, and so we talked with him about... Uh, his his work, he had some uh, recent albums that he's done in the last couple of years with big ambient sounds and and one actually that's all acoustic and, and instrumental, and it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful, beautiful record, and it was so nice to uh, be able to have him on the show. I've been a fan of his ever since In the House of Stone and Light came out in uh, 1994, and uh, I just remember that video on MTV, and I said, you know, this, because at that time I was listening to Phil Collins and and Sting and, and just all of those those great performers who had iconic voices, but a sound, a specific sound to, you know, an ambient kind of sound in the music. And Martin Page was right up there. And and boy, I did not know this. I did not know until doing the show prep and interview prep. He actually co-wrote some huge songs, too. You know, and, and that's what's so amazing about the 80s, too. You know, so uh, Martin Page started out with, uh, uh, he had a band for a while, and then uh, he co-wrote, teamed up with Bernie Taupin, the lyricist, chief lyricist for Elton John, right? So he works with Bernie Taupin and writes these dreams for Heart, and also writes We Built This City, uh, which starship perform? That that's where the reference comes in. We built this podcast. It's a you know, uh, so yeah, that's right. Yes, that's right. It's making sense now. That's right. Our, our producer who doesn't usually have a microphone for good reasons. It's making sense to him exactly right. <laughs> but I I, mean, I you know I geek out over this stuff. You know, a lot of people, it's you know who played on what football team and how many yards they rushed or whatever, how many buckets they dunked in basketball, and that's all great too. But for me, it's who played on what record, who produced what, uh, you know, who collaborated collaborated with who. And Martin Page is spectacular in that category the collaborations his solo work and as we say just an all-around great gent Uh, we had a great chat with him from uh via, via phone while he was in california and uh just learned so much really and and you know what it was such a great interview such a hot interview the philadelphia fire department jumped in on it too and audio bombed us no, that's right. Like a photo bomb when somebody jumps into your picture. Well, no, no there was a, a you know some fire activity in the city, so the fire department came whizzing by. Although with traffic, it, it, it took a longer time for them to get by, and, and so you hear them a little bit in the podcast. I thought we'd filter out some of it, but there's still. Uh, couldn't get all of it there's still some of that in there uh, but but we made it work you know we, we the show must go on and it was a you know we, we uh, played off that and um, nicely but I think as far as we can tell everything was okay with that call thankfully the fire call but uh, so you hear that in the background that's what was going on there so we have that great chat uh, but um, it, I, you know I, I just love it when we get to and by the way we've got some folks coming up on this show in the next few weeks who are going to blow your mind like martin page okay so you know i can't say that enough we've got uh, you know just people who have had uh, written or performed uh, songs that you hear all the time and you think what well, he did that they did that no no way so if you're like me and you must be because you're listening to this podcast uh you absolutely enjoy this stuff as much as i do and you will get a kick out of it so without further ado well a quick word from our network and then our interview with mr martin page yes indeed my friends you came to the right place it is all here Hello friends, if you love Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin, what am I talking about? Of course you do. You will love another show on our network called Dave Kinchin Tonight, where we take a deep dive into the week's news, sports, and culture stories impacting our times. We are on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere else you get podcasts. If we're not, trust me, we will be. We will make it happen. So you've got your rock and roll and your news talk. Oh yes, we've got you covered and what an honor it is to have a true uh, pioneer of music a, an accomplished singer songwriter and collaborator mr martin page on the line welcome to the podcast sir
1: thank you so much dave it's a pleasure to be here
0: let me just get into you have so many different uh, aspects to your career from uh writing with so many artists, great artists like yourself, to uh, your own solo work. Let's start with some of the recent works, The Amber of Memory, a lot of acoustic works there, and and uh, sounds that really have kind of a spiritual feel. How did you get inspired to do such a project like that?
1: can you uh, say that about the music? Um, it's, it's my first instrumental record. Um, it's, it's very interesting that it, it just felt the right time to do this, uh, Dave, in the sense that all the years I've been writing with other people, all the albums I've done, everybody I've worked with, I've always sort of brought to the projects um, a kind of ambience. Um, If I was writing with people, I'd think about the sounds. I would think very much about the production value. And a lot of my songs, um, even from the early 80s, songs like These Dreams, uh, when I was working with Bernie Taupin, I I would almost be creating in the background of the song the demo i would be creating music instrumental music uh, to create create atmospheres mm. and coming from england um and growing up in the schools and the churches we were very we were very much around uh church music and um i it just felt like um if i stripped off the the vocals of a lot of the songs i wrote i would hear um in the background a kind of ambience a kind of mood a kind of instrumental core that um, really has always excited me, and I felt brave enough to do it now. Mm. Um, it was a great, great experimentation for me because I it's a different world when you're creating music um, that is, hasn't got a, a vocal or a lead vocal leading the way. So I learned a lot by doing it. And I, I was very surprised that my, my fans sort of took to it, not quite as as rampant as they would if I was singing uh, an album, but they did, uh, as you mentioned, they uh, seemed to connect with the spiritual side of it. When I was growing up at art college in England, you know, we heard Tangerine Dream, we heard, um, Lots of experimental music coming out around that time. Eno, and um, a lot of German music coming mm. from uh, uh, with, uh, experimenting with synthesizers. So, yeah, I took a chance with it because I just felt it in my bones. And I, you know, in those situations, I was very fortunate that I could do it and put it on my own label. Yeah.
0: I, as soon as you said atmospheres, I, I was thinking Eno. I was thinking sort of Roxy music. I was it, those images or those yes. artists kind of popped into my head.
1: Um, yes, you, you know, you, you're saying all the right words, really, because, um, you know, in the early, in the seventies, um, and I, I, I was like every musician, I went to art college in England and we, you, you, we used to hear a great deal of that, um, uh, experimental music beginning to appear like, as I said, Eno, Tangerine, Dream, Roxy music and, and again, because I was involved in the studios even people like Trevor Horn and some of the producers yeah. and if you really listen to The Beatles with Abbey Road you could hear that behind the the, the songwriting there was a, a definitely an experimental element going on and um, I, it was a time for me to have a go at that and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I, I'm going to do it again sometime.
0: Do you feel like people can input their own feelings or their own, uh, whether it be dreams or experiences in, in atmosphere, like when you have a vocal, you're telling a, a, a story that people identify with yeah. right away on face value, you know, because it's a narration, yes. but, but people can really interject their own experience and, and the interpretation can be much more multidimensional.
1: I, I do, David. I mean, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran writer and veteran artist and over the years you know coming right through every element of popular pop music and c- continually collaborating and writing those hits as the years came on obviously i had a deep love of music and in these last few years i've had a chance to when i was going to the record store i was finding that i was going to the back of the room at amoeba to look for the experimental music the classical music mm. and modern classical music people like arvo pert um and Taverner, I think we're just writing extraordinary spiritual music. Extraordinary spiritual music. And as you just pointed out then, when you don't have a voice or a, a lyric saying, This is what the song's about, you do leave the template wide open for people to feel, as they would with Mozart or Beethoven, um, you're able to feel uh, in your own terms, that something musically tonal is moving you. Just like going out into nature, if you're walking around the fields, where you're, you're going to feel something. And um, when you haven't got people saying to you, I'm, I'm telling you I love you, or there's a fight going on, or this is what we're singing about, you have to create the music itself, the elemental forces of it have to, have to um, wash over you. And I, I think in the last five years, I did find myself studying classical music studying mm. different uh, tonal um key senses um and, and so even when i made the amber memory i wasn't i was very i was learning that you could play 12 tone that you could play discordant music and make people feel things still with beauty still with a dark rich beauty mm. so i think what it was is i was just very lucky that i've been going for many years and so you know you 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 tend to stretch out and um in the later years, you know, I was listening to a lot more jazz, I would be listening to even Hendrix and go, I never really realized how great he was when yeah. I was a kid. And uh, suddenly you hear Beethoven, when you're a kid, you know, that at such a certain <laughs> age, yeah, yeah well, you, you, you're you changing your emotions, and suddenly you hear something coming from another room and you go, God, that is so you know, Stravinsky is such so, so so rhythmic and so experimental. And, and so, so I think a lot of it is you know, I'm an old bugger, and I had a chance to feel these things, and then still be in touch with uh, studio te- tech, so I could um, experiment my, 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 myself. But I do think you're right. I do think. It's, it's very pertinent sometimes, we see it in film music, you know, you don't have to have somebody laying down the law with words, mm. you, can t- you can take it on board and make, if it's beautiful, if it's disturbing or whatever, you can make it in, you can, still from instrumental music, you know, it, it can point you in a direction, which is basically what the composer was hoping to do, yeah.
0: Definitely, and you know what's interesting too is even with narration or even with a vocal like uh, The Slender Sadness, I mean I I immediately was kind of taken back to sort of the late 80s or maybe the 90s kind of contemporary sound, you know, um, yeah. on like American Light FM, but it was amazing yes. because you, you even in the, the work with uh, great vocals, you have those atmospheres there that really reinforce what you're saying too which is which is also a delicate thing that that you know i think is it true like an artist like yourself you you focus in on that too and i i immediately picked up on that how the the amplification
1: thank you dave yeah yeah you know i think it as a young so as a young man you know i came through with the beatles in england but then you had artists like peter gabriel that were um you yeah, had come out of a you know, a prog rock band, um, but they really were sort of doing uh, very, very interesting stage songs, which were, were which were, really in a way, were classical music. And Gabriel then took that on, you know, into the eighties with um, some great um, instrumental, experimental, rhythmic, and third world music. And so. Yeah, I, I, I do I I gravitate to the artist that when mm. you when you hear even if it's a pop song, you know, you think In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins, you go there's a lot of emotion there. Um yeah i gravitate towards that if you had sting singing uh fragile i would gravitate to saying this has got a, a tremendous amount of depth in it even if you took his voice off or you put him in reverb and hide him there you're going to feel something which is intrami- so emotion emotion to me i was very fortunate growing up through the 70s and 80s that the records that i fell in love with seemed to be search seemed to have a uh Beyond being just pop songs, they had great emotion. As a kid, even though I was, I bought forty five records, and I loved pop music. Mm -hmm. I I grew up on pop music. I'd find that in my collection, I'd have Abraham, Martin, and John by Marvin Gaye, Mm. or I'd have. You know, um, Bridge Over Troubled Water by and My Sweet Lord by. I knew even as a kid without really knowing. And, and <laughs> Candle, in the, Candle in the Wind by Elton John. I mean, yeah. I, I would be moved by these these songs, uh, even though they were they were very popular. So emotion to me, emotion mm. was was really the, the key to me, even as a kid growing up with pop music.
0: What was it like? Um... Writing with other, you know, you know, is it different when you write for yourself versus, say, writing for, uh, you know, I think it was Earthwinded Fire or um, uh, Heart or, of course, um, uh, you know, Starship. I mean, what, what's it like? Did, did the approach change?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, yes, it does. I mean, my, my first prime years in Los Angeles were, was collaborating. I came across in the 80s with uh, my own little band called Q-Feel and I had a partner called Brian Fairweather and we, were, we, were, we hit LA at the right time when music was really changing in America and we were, the, we were a synthesizer band so a lot of the artists at that time wanted to collaborate with this new sound. So I found myself um, very quickly in studios with people that I Um, idolized, you know, from afar. I was suddenly with Maurice White of Earth, Wind Fire with the Commodores um, and then writing with Bernie Taupin, And I've been a huge Alton John fan. So, yeah, my, my apprenticeship was working with other people that, that really was my apprenticeship, which was a great apprenticeship because you're forced into rooms with people. So it comes down to relationships, character, how, how to communicate, how to feel the big word was feel how do you you know find the strengths of the person you're writing with and um how do you balance that out um so my apprenticeship really for about five years in la was literally every day working with different mm-hmm. people and that was a great apprenticeship because i learned so much then you get more confidence and um in the 90s, I'd finished working with Robbie Robertson doing his solo record. And I'd, I'd seen how he worked with Daniel Lemoire and how he made his solo record. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, I'm going to do the same thing. I think I'm mature enough to put a studio in my garage and I'm going to write my own album. I'm not a kid. I've got things that I want to say personally. And yeah. so I didn't collaborate for a while. Right. You know, a good, a good two years, I sort of shut that down. And, and, and I went f- to tell stories and write lyrics that, um, again... I have to say, Dave, you know, I, I had what I call the pyramid of a of a great um education. at Maurice White with Earth Wind of Fire helped me hugely in seeing how you bring great positive spirit into a studio and, and its rhythmic, um, with Robbie Robertson. We were always looking for the emotion, the soul of a song. It could take a year to get something that you felt could make you cry or laugh. And then with Bernie Taupin, I was constantly around a, a great lyricist who made me focus on what it is to write better lyrics. So between those three, which I call the pyramid for me, yeah,
0: okay,
1: I felt very strong that I could do it on my own. And yes, when you write on your own... Um, you, you haven't got to please anybody else <laughs> True. You,
0: yeah.
1: you haven't got to argue with them and you 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 know you you're just ask, uh, answering to yourself and um it was a thrill really because i thought it's just down to me now and um in some ways it was harder because you are always putting different hats on and now i'm the producer now i'm the bass player now i'm the singer now i've got to work out how to and with uh, but at the same time um it just felt the right time that um I didn't have to compromise. I think that was a big thing. You know, you're in a room with six people and sometimes I used to feel that we weren't writing the best song, but we were just writing something because there were six people in a room. Mm. So um, writing on my own made me focus more on personal songwriting. And again, I'd had a little bit of success ahead. ahead so that allowed me to relax and be more brave about doing my own solo record because I'd, I'd approved myself with other people.
0: And and talking about, like, In the House of Stone and Light, when that was at, that was the first kind of breakout, I mean, that was, the title track was huge, I remember when it hit uh, VH1, and it was, I mean, did very well on the the Billboard charts, I mean, what was, you talked a little little bit about, uh, was it like locking down for, you know, two years and really doing your own thing, writing and everything, what what was it like when that just exploded on radio, I mean, it, it had to be so gratifying.
1: It, it was. Um, it, it, I've said it before. You know, I was I was a mature artist, so I was able to go out on the road with with my with players that um, wasn't just like we didn't know what we were doing. We'd all been around a bit, and so um, I felt like I could really enjoy it. I really felt um, I was House of Stone and Light again. That was a an unusual song to have a you know a hit with because it was a very um, personal uh, restoration kind of song it was hymnal again and um had a lot of different sort of mixtures and, and and an unusual kind of lyric but um it it was incredibly gratifying because it was a slow burn on that record as yeah. well and just like i've mentioned to you dave I, I was trying to make the house of stone like a very very personal yeah. me record because you know you get all the songwriters you get I was known as a songwriter, so you think, oh, here comes another one, you mm-hmm. know, the Desmond Childs, the Jimmy Webbs, they're going to do the rap right now, and then maybe they'll do the songs that they wrote with other people. Well, I was just, I really wanted to find a voice in me and a character that which, which if people didn't know, which they didn't know, I was a songwriter, they took me through being a, a new artist in, at that point. And so, very gratifying because the record broke and, and, I, and I believed in it. Um, I wasn't like a fundamental band that was told to do a certain kind of sound or a kind of music. I was able to do it on my own, my own way. Mercury Records let me do it the way I wanted. And I was able to bring in my history, like Gaelic music, a bit of folk music, funk um, and I found my voice. I mean, by working with Robbie Robertson and Maurice White, they used to listen to me, my demos I'd bring in, and they'd say, I don't know why you're not doing your own record, because you have a sound. And mm. I, I never really thought of that, Dave. You know, I thought, well, I'm, I'm p- portraying vocals for other people to do, do them even better, to sing them again. Yeah. So when I did the House of Stone and Light record and it became a success, and it was a slow success, it took like two years to break that, break that album. Mm. Uh, um, it felt good because I believed in it. Um, I believed in the stories. A lot of the songs on the album were about um, healing. A lot of pain had happened to me around that time. So a lot of those, uh, and there was an optimistic sense that you can get through some really tough times. And the House of Zone Light itself as a single was about that, you know, about um, healing yourself when you've gone through a, a really rough point. So to have a hit single like that um, was very, very gratifying because if it had happened to me a little bit earlier, you know, as a kid, I'd probably have been singing songs that I wouldn't want to be singing now. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe um, the work I've done since House of Stone, and I could be out there singing it now and it would have a lasting quality to it. And, and that always meant a lot to me as a songwriter. Because I'd worked with many bands that weren't happy with the singles they were putting out. They were going like, we're forced to do this. We've got to go out and tour this. We don't like this song, but mm. it's a hit. And I just thought, well I'd, if I get up on stage and I talk to people and sing to them, I want to believe in what I'm doing. Of and course, um, yeah. yeah, luckily, um, unfortunately, I kept to my, um, my core beliefs on that, and so I made a record I could stand with for a long time, and I, I did believe that if you, the greatest records or the best songs tend to go past fashion and all that stuff, and they last a bit just because they're good, you know, so it was gratifying, yeah, but it, it meant something to me having a success with that.
0: Well, especially something so personal. I think I read you—you you had uh, gone through some losses uh, in your life around that around that time. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. My um, my parents had both passed, and I was very, very mm. close to my parents. And after I'd had some success, luckily, I was able to buy a house for them and put them next to me. We had two houses next to each other, so mm. it was. Uh, and we were very close because they, and they helped me as a young lad uh, believe in my dreams. Um, you do know, when a when a boy suddenly walks in and says, "I want to be a bass player." the parents are usually in my my era they said no get down the docks or um, become a lawyer but my, pa- yeah, my parents yeah. said oh okay as long as you're happy you know and I'd say can you buy me a guitar and say, they would, they weren't they weren't very uh, rich and so they used to really try to support my happiness so when they passed on very shortly after i bought the house Mm. um it 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 really stopped me in my tracks because it makes you i've been working so hard at that point um non-stop uh that that suddenly when you have death around you and it's somebody who so you know you're you're massively in love with you suddenly the world stops and you 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 reframe everything i basically froze around that time and then um when i healed somewhat house of stone and light um album was very important to me at that point because i i went i needed a break because i was a workaholic and i was always uh working every day in the studio great but uh, but you, you lose a little bit of humanity by that i went to the house i went to the um grand canyon just to um to chill out and to feel something that was nature oriented somehow I was, I was pulled towards that place and the indians at the bottom of the grand canyon the Habasupai indians they used to call the canyon the house of stone and light and mm. i saw that i saw that as my body really i thought i've got to i've got to heal myself and um, my house is uh, my mind and my body and my strength and i've and um, i've got to bring some light into this darkness and so yeah. Yeah, that album sort of came around out of that. So again, as you said before, with your question, Dave, you know it was gratifying that you, you you communicate and that you get success with the record. That really, although you all want you want success, I did care about what what the, what the songs were really genuinely about.
0: Just want to ask you, just you know, what your um, you know what's next for you, and, and as an artist, I imagine you're always challenging yourself. Uh, how do you approach that, and, and what is next for you?
1: well I've got um, I'm, I've been very very prolific in the last few years uh, I've got yeah as you know I've got my little own record label and I'm able to put my own albums out on that the ones that I really um do what i want to do really like amber memory but i've got two albums i'm working on simultaneously at the moment and uh, just before you called i was um working on one of those records one's a very personal intimate album which i just sat down at the piano and mm. uh, wrote over three weeks um that's very unusual for me but we recorded it just at the piano which is the basis of me as a songwriter and the other one just so we're talking about house of stone and light all the musicians that played on the album suddenly arrived back in los angeles last year all of them oh wow and um we recorded a live album which is which i think is the best thing i've done since then um because all the players are around me and i'm working on that that's taken a little bit more time because there's everybody's uh, you know lots of live players and i haven't i haven't been collaborating with i usually play all the instruments on the records myself mm. at this point but All the players that were back then in the 90s suddenly arrived by, I don't know, hook or crook, by luck, (laughs) and um, they all stopped by my home studio and we started to record, and so um, I'm on that as well, and I hope to bring both these new albums out in the next year, I hope to do that, yeah.
0: Well, that's exciting, especially the, the House of Stone and Light uh, team. That, that'll that be, I'm really looking forward to hearing yeah, that. Yeah, it, it,
1: it was phenomenal, really. Um, phenomenal for me, because Neil Taylor, Jack Hughes from Wang Chung, um, Trevor Thornton, drummer from my first band, Q Phil, Brian Fairweather, the guitarist that I first came across with, then Bill Dillon, the Canadian guitarist who played on, with me with Robbie Robertson and played on House of Stone and Light. He played on that. Rust Uh, Russ Broom, another great Canadian guitarist who helped me out on the album Mm. he played on it and then I was able to get a great horn section here in LA to help me with some songs and um a South African choir has been uh, uh, that was recorded with Nelson Mandela have been helping me on one of the ballads, or wow. well, the, the final song on the album, it's a bit of a big, big record and it, it always sounds like it's ego talk when you think, you say, it's as good as that, but I'm being told by everybody that I've been, is hearing us is that this is a very, very special record, so God, I'm working very hard and detailed on that one. Wow.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Martin Page, thank that's you so much for your time and your insight and, and just all of the experiences that you've I shared. It. And, and the gift of music you've given us all.
1: I really appreciate that, Dave, and good luck with all the stuff you're doing as well. You're, you're, um, you're spreading the good word with music all the time.
0: Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate that.
1: Okay, mate. I'll okay. see you soon.
0: It was so great to hear his references to Sting and, and Phil Collins, because around the time I discovered Martin Page in uh, 94, I was listening to Sting, and Fields of Gold came out, the greatest hits record, and, uh, of course, the, uh, I think the song Fragile might be on there, but, uh, you know, so when he, when he said that, I said, yes, I know that song, I know that kind of sound, and it was great, but uh, Martin Page cannot thank you enough for being the, the outstanding artist, you are and and again giving us that gift of music and being able to celebrate that and and to have a great discussion and and inform our audience of the, the, the many works you're involved with and and especially the i mean in the house of stone and light really was one of my favorite records from that time so i cannot wait to hear what all of those artists those same musicians come back together and perform in a live album too so you you heard uh, mr page saying that that will be coming out at some point so excited for that excited for all of you to be uh with us for some more big interviews we've got a, a few of them coming up my friends i don't want to give out any names just yet but we've got them and you're going to love it thank you so much for being with us as always be safe take care of each other But turn up that radio and rock and roll because that, well, it's gotta be mandatory, right? It's just got to be. Until the beginning of the week, we will see you then.